Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And joining me in the studio, in inverted commas, is a cricket pundit, in inverted commas, by the name of Tony Kerr. Afternoon. You, you were referring to your laptop readily there. So you remember the name of the show, your own name. You mean I was Who's doing... sitting opposite you? What? Who are you again? Yeah, I just popped in. And what is this that we do? What up? Uh, what up indeed. We are in uh, our studio. Your, uh, as we said before, it is your, your. What, what is this? Like it's a spare room. Spare room. Clothes. Spare room without a bed. It's yeah. just full of clothes. But I'd say there's there's even more clothes in here now yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, than there used to be. It's like a dressing up box in here. Yeah. It's like an astronaut's outfit <laughs> over there. Various Game of Thrones costumes. It's great fun in here. It is. It's a it's a real barrel. Actually, speaking of clothes, I noticed that you've managed to put some clothes on. You did. Uh, you texted me earlier on to to confirm what time we were doing this, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'll be around about twelve thirty. You went, "Oh cool, awesome. I'll uh, I'll make sure I put some clothes on." Day off today. No need for clothes <laughs> on days off. I did once come round to your house. I, I was I was just driving past and I had some stuff in my car that I needed to, to like some of your stuff that I needed to bring back to you, and uh, I just thought, "Oh, I'm I'm going past. I could just drop that off now." So I'd not warned you that I was coming round. I opened your front door and you, you were just walking past wearing skin-tight yellow long johns. <laughs> you, you just looked at me and went, didn't know you were coming round. Yeah, that, that, I've been those. You've pinned them? Yeah. Just yeah. go naked now. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. Got overheated. They were sort of waffle, a kind of waffle material. A waffle like material? Like a waffle knit. Not like quite a waffle. A waffle, I don't know, just waffle material. What does that mean? You know, waffly. Made out of waffles. Like a waffle texture. You're just saying the word waffle. <laughs> it's a really satisfying word to say as well. But I think they were originally bought for sort of, you know, alpine wear. Yeah. An underlayer, but then discovered they were actually quite comfortable, you know, as your outer layer as well. Just around the house. Chicken legs. Lounge wear. Yeah. But now binned, and now it's just... Binned uh, and moved on. Matured. Now you just go bottomless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still shirt and tie up top. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, how's it going this week? Yeah, all good. What up, as you would say? Yeah. Just following the action from South Africa, World Cricket League Division 5. Mm. You've been following this? Uh, I've been following your Twitter account, yeah. yeah. Explain Occas- to me. Occasionally gets retweeted from the World Cricket Show account. Explain to me what World Cricket League Division 5 is. So it's a cricket tournament, uh, Division 5 of World Cricket League. Okay. Yeah. This is like so, just this is like you saying waffle again. Yeah. <laughs> You're just just saying the thing that you've already said. So this this is the now the lowest tier of uh, of World Cricket League, which is like the associate you know the associate ladder, if you like. Division five, eight teams in it, being played in South Africa. Guernsey, one of them. Jersey also there as well. Uh, yeah, Jersey were in Division four last year in Los Angeles, of all places, uh, but got relegated with Italy back to this one. So yeah, eight teams, and it's the final uh, round of Greek games today. 
So by the time people are listening to this, it could all be over. It will all be over. But yeah, yeah, all uh, coming to a head. Guernsey playing Qatar at the moment, so just following the score there. Uh, Guernsey making 231 for 9 from their 50. Uh, Qatar currently 51 without loss, so Guernsey needs some wickets. Uh, off 10 overs, so going mm. on quite nicely there. But, uh, so basically, this is almost a quarter-final, effectively. Uh, Guernsey lost to Italy, uh, beat the Cayman Islands. So if they beat Qatar, they'll go through as the second team from that group. Could face Jersey in the semi-finals. So exciting stuff. Well, you can give us some live updates throughout the show. I will keep an eye on it. But it, it's an interesting collection of, uh, of nations as ever. You know, Guernsey, Jersey, Qatar, uh, Italy, Cayman, uh, and then uh, Vanuatu, Germany as well. Mm. And who are the other ones? Ghana. Yeah, it's Eclectic. quite random, isn't it? Yeah. When we I mean, had uh, Guernsey captain Jamie Nussbaum on the show... We did ask him about that. Like, how, how does it feel to have played, you know, international sport against Germany, against Italy, but then also against Vanuatu as well? Like, it's, it's very random. Yeah. It? But interesting, you know, it's some interesting stories. You know, Jersey looking very good. It was unfortunate for Guernsey. They lost their pro, Wilfred Zakali, uh, who's at Leicester, to an injury. So he's not at the tournament and probably would have made uh, quite a big difference for them. But yeah, Germany looking, you know, pretty good. They're an emerging cricketing force. Mm. Uh, so yeah be interesting to, to see how the rest of it pans out well keep us we'll updated keep you posted mate throughout keep the show we, we've got a, a lot to talk about a lot of cricket to talk about we need to uh, <laughs> we, we, we need to check in with this England West Indies series because uh, there's lots been happening there hasn't it I mean on the last show we we pretty much proclaimed the death of West Indies cricket as I remember it was you you were you were really hammering the nail in the coffin and I was trying to pull you back from yeah. the brim that's the way I remember it um, I was saying, no, you know, that they could well, Shy Hope could well score 200s, I seem to remember saying that, uh, and they could win the second test. Well, they did. Uh, incredible test at Headingley. Obviously, that's a while ago now, and the, the third test is about to start, but we've not had a chance to talk about that yet. So we will do that. We've got more test cricket to catch up on around the world as well. All the stuff that's been happening in Bangladesh. Some off-field stuff as well. IPL broadcast deals and a few things like that. So yeah, loads to be getting on with, and, and uh, be very interesting to hear what uh, what you have to say about all that. Saying despite your your dubious qualifications uh, as a cricket pundit, but uh, just before we do, I, there's some you know there's some other stuff that I really feel we do need to talk about. There's been some very big news this week, and I know you've got a lot of opinions on it. You know what I'm talking about, Tone, don't you? I'm worried. <laughs> We're having another baby. <laughs> Britain is having another baby, a third royal baby for Wills and Kate. You texted me ahead of the show to say that this was the main thing you wanted to talk about. You're very excited about this. Yeah, over the moon. Yeah, over the moon. Yeah. In many ways, I feel like this podcast is being defined by royal babies, isn't it? <laughs> this is the royal baby era. Yeah. And we are, you know, people will look back and say, you know, they're sort of the two went hand in hand. They're <laughs> synonymous with each other. Yeah, like we look back on the 80s. When you look back on the 80s, you think, you know, Duran Duran and Strikes. This era, it's World Cricket Show and Royal Babies. Exactly. Uh, no, it's exciting, isn't it? It's terribly exciting. I wasn't around in the 80s. I assume, <laughs> I assume people who were around, that is what they think about, yeah. Uh, happiness, obviously, uh, you know, spilling out from, from everywhere. From every the, one of your orifices, exactly. But uh, but sort of trepidation now going into you know as if uh, so. Some would argue that it's the sort of the good news that the news needed uh, <laughs> to sort of you know the tonic to impending nuclear war. Mm. Uh, you know, 
very real climate change and catastrophic storms. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> another, you know, another round of it's so and so, baby so and so's birthday. New official photos released of baby so and so, you know, on the on the front pages and you know, top of the bill on news websites. I don't know if I can handle it. I did think that was a weird choice of name when they said they were going <laughs> to go with uh, Prince so and so. Yeah. Because that, that's three, that's going to be three. So that's three birthdays, three multiple sets of official photographs to be released. I don't know if I can handle it. Oh, it's all good for the calendar, though, isn't it? For the calendar that you buy every year. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a bit more variety for you. All right, Tim. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's been an extraordinary week or a couple of weeks of, of Test cricket in England, a historic week after England needs to the most one sided victory of a one sided summer in the first test of their series against the West Indies at Edgebaston. We wrote the Windies off, didn't we? We weren't alone in writing the Windies off, but they roared back at Headingley with a quite extraordinary performance. England batted first uh, and were bowled out for 258 on the first day, Kamar Roach and Shannon Gabriel each taking four wickets. West Indies then, uh, in response, were 35 for three at one point, but an unbelievable partnership between Craig Brathwaite and Shea Hope, who both made hundreds, and meant that they got up to 427, even with a big lead like that. People were still saying, well, England will probably still go on and win the game. And, and when they declared on 490 for eight, it did seem like they'd put themselves in position to win the game. West Indies needed uh, 322 uh, on the final day. They were 53 for two at one point, but then another incredible partnership between Brathwaite and Hope. Uh, Brathwaite made 95 and Shea Hope 118 not out. Uh, saw them home pretty much. Jermaine Blackwood with a quick fire 41 as well. And yeah, just a remarkable finale as they got to the target with five wickets to spare. So that was an absolutely unbelievable victory. It's West Indies' first win in England for 17 years. And they've played 17 tests in England in those 17 years. Oh boy, what do you make of this then, Tone? Incredible drama on that final afternoon. It was very much a case of what scenes, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was, you know, it sucked you in, definitely. Uh, you know, for people who might have been ignoring what was going on, that you couldn't for long, could you? you? You were drawn in as the day went on. But yeah, I, I mean, it, I, you know, I don't think anyone predicted it. I can't think of anyone. Didn't hear anyone. I seem to remember that I predicted <laughs> you, it. You predicted it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't listened back to the show, but that is my memory. It's a shame you cut that bit out, isn't it? <laughs> that was, yeah, we had that really long section where... We, uh, you know, just mapped out the exact course of this test match. Exactly. You know, I th- you know, it's no exaggeration to say this is one of the great sporting turnarounds, isn't it? The the manner, the result of that first test, the the context of where West Indies have been, the history, the recent history, uh, the conditions. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Not sort of vintage England side at the moment, but you know, plenty good enough. You'd have you'd have said to. Uh, to win this one comfortably, so yeah, it's like I can't, you know, trying to compare it to other sporting turnarounds, but th- there's the the cliches now, the miracle of Medina, yeah, the sort of things. Yeah, I suppose even like Leicester City winning the the Premier League, that probably slightly, maybe slightly more unexpected than this. Yeah, it, you know, obviously it's a quarter season, but that was coming from a team that had just survived. But you know, had come to do that. So, yeah, and I, also this is, as you say, that was over the course of the season. This is yeah. one 
match and you know it remains to be seen whether they'll be able to back it up yeah like, but they yeah need to still... win like if west indies won the ashes or something like that, that, would, that be, would be unexpected that would, be, that would probably be up there for yeah Leicester city uh but you know it, it it's not well, yeah, it's probably that that is probably a bit of a stretch but you know a five-day test match is it's no fluke is it to, no, to no. win this uh so in terms of yeah sort of knuckling down you know eliminating some of the or, you know there were lots of drop catches hmm. on both sides but so that, you know, it was by no means a perfect display, uh, but yeah, to, to win on that final day, to to even think that they could win, and then to to do it, the audacity of hope, exactly, uh, you know, was was astonishing. It's a it's a shame, isn't it, that Shea Hope doesn't have a name that lends itself <laughs> to headline writers because that really would have helped people out. Yeah, um, as you say, like the not just to win, but to win with what was a very good performance. It is amazing, like in terms of just a you know week to week turnaround. I mean, I know we've talked about that a lot. England have been terrible one week and brilliant the next, but West Indies were so bad that it was like, well, this is the end of cricket in the Caribbean. You know, absolutely nobody thought this would happen, and not only did it happen, but it happened as I say with a very good performance. It's just an incredibly heartwarming thing to happen, isn't it? I I tweeted this. I. I can't remember ever wanting England's opponents to win before in a test match. Bangladesh. But, well, there have been times when I've not minded. <laughs> like, there have been times when, you know, when Bangladesh beat England, I was happy for Bangladesh. You know, when, when Pakistan won last summer, I was happy for Pakistan. But I wasn't watching the game, you know, as the bowler was running in, as, as the Bangladesh bowler was running in, wanting him to take a wicket. But that is what was happening for me. Certainly on the final day, I really, really wanted them to do it. And, like, not just... I was not only... You know, not only did I want England's opponents to win, I started taking genuine pleasure in England's failures. Like, when when, when Cook dropped that catch, I was, like, up off the sofa. Like, yes! <laughs> Get in! Which I, I really haven't done before. So I, 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 I took a bit of pleasure as well in... Uh, it gave me some kind of insight into what fans of every other team around the world must experience because England are not the most popular cricket team but I took pleasure in England's hubris being punished and this is not so much the players but around the commentary box there was a lot of you know after what was a a brilliant fight back by England to put themselves in a position where they seem like favourites to win the game on the final day you know Graham Swan was saying well you know at least they've they've made sure they can't lose from here and there's just a general feeling that well England will definitely wrap this up now and even before, you know, at the time, I was thinking that is a very arrogant position to take, and also a weird one because I, ne- I, it never seemed to me like a draw was that likely. I did always think, well, if West Indies do bat the overs, they will win. You know, didn't think necessarily that they would bat the overs, but I, I'd never really thought it was going to be a draw. And yeah, I just, I, I did enjoy to some extent that that came back to bite people. By the way, this might actually point, you know, this might be something to point to in future because. The next time that England are 250 ahead with the day to play, and Ian Botham's going, declare already, they've got plenty. You know, like, you think back, that, that match in Antigua in 2009 where Strauss declared too late and it finished as a draw with England needing one wicket to win. Like, Botham still brings that up. Like, <laughs> any time England are in a position where they you know, might be thinking about a declaration, Botham is still saying, you know, well, we've seen, we've seen recently that England <laughs> don't leave themselves enough time and it is just something to think about that sometimes teams do chase down scores like yeah. this. I'd, but I, yeah, I'd like if it happened again, or you, you know, you, you went back in time. I'd still back route to declare. Though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I didn't have a problem with Reese's declaration. I, I I thought that was a good declaration, and I, you know, as you say, next time you'd still say that was the right thing to do. But I just think it might put a slightly different light on those times, you know, that that Strauss and Cook did declare slightly too late. That you know, they weren't completely bonkers to to want to leave it a little bit longer. Because sometimes this does happen. Yeah, and it's a delicate balance of strike, isn't it? It's, it's not a precise kind of thing where and when you declare, you know, just a little bit either side, you know, a bit of movement either side can have a bigger, bigger influence perhaps. You know, it's it's a fine margin but has a wide effect at the end of the, at the, mm. end of the game, isn't it? So, yeah, you've just got to, I guess, go with your gut and, you know, and make the decision at the time. But, yeah, yeah, I think it was solid decision from Root. Yeah, again, you'd prob- you would back England to get get the West Indies out in a day. Yeah, off the back of that first that first match, uh, but then that's why you've got to just pay unbelievably amount uh, of unbelievably amounts of credit, <laughs> uh, unbelievable amounts of credit to uh, to Hope uh, Brathwaite as well at the top. Just the resolve to to get through that, to get the run, stick around, and it, yeah, it was one of those brilliant finishes that you know we all love in in Test cricket, isn't it? Yeah, sort of in the dimming light. Mm. At the end of the day, at the very last, you know, you can't, you really can't beat that. And they still had five wickets in hand, but nonetheless, there was a feeling until they needed about thirty to win. There was still a feeling that, you know, it could still go England's way if they just got, yeah, if they'd nipped a couple out. Couple those those out, runs would have been very, very difficult to get. Been a lot of pressure on yeah. that West Indies dressing room. Um, but yeah, so you're right. We do have to pay unbelievably amounts of credit. To Brathwaite and to Hope. I mean, yeah, we we did not see this coming, but should we have done? I mean, were, were we a little bit hasty in writing West Indies off? They have now. This is their third win out of six. Third win in the last six games. Out of the last three games against England, they've won two of them. You know, did we maybe rush to conclusions a little bit after that first test? I suppose with hindsight, possibly, <laughs> definitely. I guess with hindsight. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Uh... As I say, I've, in my memory, I was, I, you know, I you were very I positive, yeah. This, yeah. But this is what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know that. Yeah, you know, I think possibly we didn't give. Well, no, we maybe gave the West Indies or you know, collectively the cricketing media, and I'm putting us in that. <laughs> possibly we'll sneak in the back door of that. The crooked media. Uh, you know, probably gave the West Indies about the right amount of, of credit going into this match. Uh, but yeah, possibly, you know, now we're, we're thinking maybe we're overestimating England a, a bit at the moment. You know, that they're, they're not making the progress. They're not making any progress, really. Yeah, and it's yeah. difficult, isn't it? Because it does go basically from game to game. It's It feels like we're sat here saying, well, actually, they're a bit better than we thought. Yeah, yeah. Actually, they're nowhere near as good as we thought. I, I did cut out a section on, on the last pod where we were, we were criticising a little bit. And I, I said, you know, England have made West Indies look this bad and England aren't even that good. And that is true. I mean, they, there was such a gulf between the teams at Edgbaston, but England actually aren't a very good team. Like, despite beating South Africa earlier in the summer, there are still big, big problems, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah. just no questions are being answered. Yeah, the Ashes are going to be very, very interesting. Uh, and, yeah, and that's a good thing, I think. For the for the con you know for the contest and there's going to be so much discussion going into it uh, and you know we'll talk I'm sure about Australia Bangladesh in a moment I think so. we'll talk about the Ashes <laughs> when they come round here we'll probably have a few conversations we'll chat about the Ashes 
Leave that for another it's day. It's really soon, actually. I was thinking yeah. about this because it, it sort of feels like, well, this is the summer and that's the winter. But it's literally it's like six weeks. It's isn't about it? six weeks away. Yeah. No, it's about ten weeks away. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's about six weeks till they go to Australia, actually. Yeah. When are we going? <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about that. But you know, like, I think by now we'd have expected to have w- at least one of the questions answered uh, that we had at the start of the summer. Uh, and that's just not happening. You know, there's one test left. Uh, but there's, there's, yeah, there's three, there's still three holes in the batting order, aren't there? Which are filled to a certain extent, but not quite. Well, yeah, it's all a bit. There's nothing definitive, really, is that they both Stoneman and Milan made half centuries, and very good half centuries, and particularly Milan batted for a very long time, didn't he? And that, that was a crucial innings in the context of the match. Well, it turned out not to be, but it felt like a crucial innings in the context of the match at the time. But they're still they're still both scores that don't really do anything either way. Like they've kind of made themselves undroppable, at least for the next test. But they also haven't they're not good enough scores to actually ink themselves in for any length of time. But with one test to go until the ashes, they probably are gonna be the players that, that line up in Brisbane. Um but that doesn't really fill me with confidence at this point. It's really tough because it, you'd say if it was if it was one of them, if it was one place in the batting lineup and the rest of the top six was was nailed down, mm. uh, you know, you would say that you can't expect someone to come in and score a century in their first innings. Yeah, yeah I can't expect it, or their second innings, or maybe even in their first two or three tests. Uh, you'd, you'd you'd say you'd pick it, you'd pick someone and say, well, you know, we're backing this person. They've got the the talent, the temperament, the, the you know the the pedigree. And you give them a go, but when it's three, mm. and you know it do, that does lend itself to chopping and changing, and, and just kind of throwing it all up in the air a few times and seeing how it lands, and, and it's more sort of you know hope than expectation that that a solution will be found and that someone will kind of nail something down. That's a very good point, actually. And that's not something I say too often, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like when you know when the England batting, when the England top five was Strauss, Cook, Trot, Bell, you know. There, there was a problem at number six, but you could afford to carry, you know, whoever was batting there, Owen Morgan, whoever, like give them time to try and find their feet. But now th- there isn't that time because England aren't scoring enough runs full stop. So, yeah, there's much more pressure on all three of those positions because, yeah, they haven't they haven't got that safety net that's being provided elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it feels like every test for the last while has been a gallant. It's like pulling the old one-armed bandit, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just waiting for three dollar signs to to fall in a row. But England haven't got, haven't found that yet, have they? They're getting I don't know what other symbols you get on there. Bar is that on it? A bar. You're, you're a regular down the old gambling <laughs> down the old slot machines. Cherries, cherries. Yeah, yeah. I do remember actually going to an arcade on a cricket tour on our cricket tours to the Isle of Wight when we were fourteen. And uh, we were given like a couple of hours off to mooch around the town, cows, I guess it was, yeah. to mooch about, entertain ourselves for a while. And yeah, going to an arcade with uh, Brooklyn correspondent Gordon McRae, just leaving him at the slot machine for a bit. I was like, oh, I'm going to go off and get an ice cream or something. And a couple of hours later, the coach was like, uh, right, everyone's here. Where's Gordon? And I was like, I don't know. We, <laughs> we, we traced back and found him still at the slot machine, just kind of <laughs> dead eyed, putting 10 peas into this thing. He's got an addiction that lasts to this day, and that explains Sad. why yeah. he's never made anything of himself. But yeah, I mean that, that is what it kind of feels like, and you know, this isn't you know not everything's about England, but 
Uh, but yeah, the Ashes are going to be fun. I'm really beginning to think that it might be time to go back to Gary Balance. I mean, it's worth giving him a go, isn't it? <laughs> it's been a while. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a bit of a weird summer all round, really, for England, hasn't it? Um, like that series against South Africa, like a 3-1 win over South Africa ought to be a real triumph, but it still somehow felt slightly, just wasn't enormously satisfying because I guess, as he's saying, there's still, like, there's still so many areas in the team that, that have just not been solved. And in this game, I mean, yeah, it's, it feels a little bit harsh so early in his career, but I wasn't hugely impressed with Joe Root's captaincy. Again, I wouldn't, I'm not criticising the declaration. I, I, I think that was a, a reasonable call to make. And on balance, I would rather the England captain be positive like that. Although, as I say, I, you know, I do think it puts a slightly different complexion on, on some of the, the Strauss-Cook decisions. But yeah, I don't know, Root just, he got very panicky on, he got very panicky very early on the final day. And he didn't seem to have a whole lot in the way of ideas. Like He just kept bowling Anderson and Broad. If you look at that scorecard, Anderson bowled 24 overs, Broad bowled 25 overs, Chris Wokes bowled 12 and Ben Stokes bowled 5. Like it did, Root's solution was just keep bowling Anderson and Broad, which you can understand why he's doing that. And in some ways that's a good idea. But there, you know, there wasn't much imagination going on. It was just like, just bowl the best bowlers, please get me a wicket. Um, and when it didn't happen, you know, he, did, he didn't have an alternative so yeah that could be a, a bit of an issue and the the yeah we've talked about the batting the the bowling as well yeah that third seam I mean Wokes came back in they they left out Roland Jones and Wokes was toilet wasn't he was <laughs> he didn't have a very good game either and again that that might be hubris a bit you know they 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 felt confident that they'd win anyway and they just wanted Wokes to get a few overs under his belt before Australia but you know, in retrospect, that does seem like quite an arrogant thing to do because maybe a test match is not the right place for Chris Wakes to be getting overs under his belt. And when Roland Jones has been bowling well, don't make that change. Yeah. I mean, I do understand it because, you know, a fit and firing Wakes would definitely be in the first team and I'd like Wakes to be in the team in Brisbane ahead of Roland Jones. But he needs to be fit and he clearly isn't fit at the moment. He was bowling late 70s early 80s and miles per hour whereas last summer he was bowling 90 but yeah just going back to the West Indies as I say you know we didn't see this coming possibly we were a bit foolish to write them off so quickly you know we did we maybe lost sight of the fact that there are a couple of decent players in that team they they didn't show it at Edgebuston at all um, but there are some decent players in that team Kimar Roach being one and he bowled very well didn't he Shannon Gabriel coming back was big as well yeah, but I mean, both of those guys do bowl fast. Yeah, which is always very useful, isn't it? And, and yeah, Craig Brathwaite, um, a century in the first innings, 95 in the second. I mean, he is an excellent test batsman. He's got six test hundreds now. And yeah, what England wouldn't give for someone of his quality at the moment. So yeah, they, they, you know, they, they, even before this test, they did have players in this team that do have some test pedigree. But we wouldn't have expected, we certainly wouldn't have expected Shea Hope to do what, it, what he did, did it, would we? I mean, yeah, pretty unbelievable performance from him. Yeah, and the, you know the fact it was a first ever uh, first class double hundred or double up of hundreds, twin hundreds, twin hundreds uh, in Headingley history is quite astonishing, really. Uh, well, some just good, that it hasn't happened before. Some good batsmen have played at Headingley, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it was brilliant, and actually, you know, cool listening to to him speak afterwards. Pretty, pretty. Measured wasn't didn't get over the, you know didn't get overly excited did he which is good to see you, yeah because you want to see him go on and, and do it 
time and time again. He does seem like a very cool guy. You're right yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, 150 in 21 test innings before this, and then he rocks up and scores 200s. You know, there was no predicting that. And uh, yeah, certainly, you know, after the first test, he would have been one of the guys that I said, you know, clearly not good enough, <laughs> needs to be discarded. What do I know? I mean, actually, I say that. My memory is that I was bringing him up, but I think it was you that was saying <laughs> yeah. they really need to get rid of hope. That's how it played out. But yeah, I mean, he, he just suddenly looked like a world-class test batsman, didn't he? he was so comfortable off the front foot, off the back foot, and really comfortable in defence as well. That was something that was really impressive on that final day. Didn't panic. You know, they needed a lot of runs on the final day, but, you know, he, he never felt right. The, the run, he never allowed the run rate to get out of control, but he, he, was, he was very happy leaving the ball alone, you know, not worrying too much about that. Um, and yeah, it was just an incredibly measured innings from, as you say, what seems to be a very measured guy. Yeah, I mean, you look back at his scores in his test career so far, that, you know, that I'd probably have got about that, I think. <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, so what, one, a 90 against Pakistan uh, in Bridgetown. But other than that, very little. So it is astonishing to come in and, and, and not just get 100 and then get out cheaply in the next innings, but to, to, get, to get the two decisive scores probably of the match, uh, and certainly in the second innings to win the game it, yeah is pretty astonishing so it'll be it will be really interesting to follow his progress from here what scenes yeah don't forget about Jermaine Blackwood as well I mean when when Roston Chase was out West Indies still needed 80 odd and they were four down and that yeah there, there really was a danger that it could have fallen in a heap at that point and undone all of that good work but Blackwood came in not only scored runs but he scored them quickly and just kind of took the game away from England and yeah, and pretty much saw them home. He got out with what one one needed, tried to finish it with a six. So yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, after one game, you don't want to say too much. You don't want to be like, well, this is the you know, the start of the uh, the upturn in fortunes that that we've all been craving. So, you know, let's not go overboard. It remains to be seen if they can back it up. It wouldn't be staggering if they lost by an innings at Lords, and it does still remain the case, as we said last time, that. The, most of the best players in the Caribbean aren't in this team and all of that stuff around contracts and T20 and you know and the pressure on test cricket all of that is still true but this was a very heartwarming exciting thing to happen something that's quite interesting just before we leave this something that's quite interesting that I hadn't realized before is the homogeneity of this West Indies team in terms of geographies you know this how yeah. how few different islands are involved uh, of the Quite 11, Barbados heavy as well, isn't it's it? It's very Barbados heavy. So the, the the eleven that played at Headingley, seven of them are from Barbados. It's only Bishu, Gabriel, Powell, and Blackwood that are from elsewhere, which is great for Barbados. Not necessarily great for the West Indies as a whole. I mean, it, you know, it's well one possible problem, like given the the difficulties that the West Indies cricket board have had and the kind of what's the word, In, internecine strike, like the disputes between the different boards. That's a big word. Well, I've used the word homogeneity already. Yeah, that so. is true. <laughs> People are switching off in their droves now. Um, let's talk about the Royal Baby again quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the disputes between the different island boards, like one of one reason that they liked having Darren Sammy as captain is that he was from St Lucia. It's the only player from St Lucia to ever represent the West Indies. And having him as captain, you know, kept that kind of the seat of power was, you know, kept away from one of the kind of traditional power bases. It's a bit like Game of Thrones, this, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now very, very Barbados heavy. I'm not, I'm not really sure what 
what point I'm making here. But, I know, it's just an interesting observation, it's just, isn't it? Just something to keep an eye on. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I really, like, this is pure speculation, but for example, West Indies played two spinners at Headingley, and Roston Chase bowled way more than Devendra Bishu. Chase bowled 12 overs in the first innings and Bishu bowled six. And in the second innings, Chase bowled 32 overs and Bishu bowled 25, although most of those 25 were towards the end. And yeah, Chase from Barbados, Bishu from Guyana. I mean, that's pure speculation, but it's not even necessarily... I, I don't mean that it's like a deliberate thing, like Chase and Holder's like, right, I'm going to bowl my mate Roston, but it's just he knows him. He's played with him, presumably, a lot, and he doesn't know Devendra Bishu as well. So yeah, again, I, d- I don't yeah. know how much you can make of it, but it's just interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, looking at the, the players who aren't in the team, those those guys who are doing whatever else around the world, uh, you know, T20 tournaments and whatnot, you know, a lot of those guys aren't from Barbados, kind of spread out, you know, Lendl Simmons, Trinidad, Chris Gale, Jamaica, uh, Marlon Samuels, Jamaica, Pollard, Trinidad. The Bravos are from Antigua, is that right? Uh, or are they Trinidad as well? Trinidad, yeah. yeah. Uh, Andre Russell, Jamaica, as you say, Darren Sammy. Sunil Narayan, Trinidad. So, so maybe you know, in the absence of those, it's it's just sort of Barbados that's come to the fore. Mm. No, it's interesting. Just just something to keep an eye on, I guess. I wonder if I'll use the word internecine again. I that's one of those words that you never hear anyone say out loud. I've never heard anyone say it. <laughs> let alone... That yeah. If we had, if we had sort of na- you know, some podcast. So pick out a quote, don't they? That's the name of the episode. <laughs> that would be internecine dispute. Would be with the name, and I don't think anyone. I certainly wouldn't have had a clue. But what it, about. it would be inter dot 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 me dot 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 sign because I was very uncertain about <laughs> it as I was saying it. Yeah, here we are. Internecine relating to conflict within a group or organisation. Can you use it in a sentence? The party shrank from the trauma of more internecine strife. So there you go. And what about the West Indies under-19 team as well that won the World Cup? Mm. Well, what's, all... the, what's the geographic spread like? That's a very good question, Tone, that might that require side. some research. Well, yeah, the squad... I'm looking at the squad that won the World Cup last year. I haven't got all of them because I haven't all got Wikipedia entries, which is what I'm going off, but... We've got St. Martin, which is quite interesting. Uh, Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, Antigua, Trinidad, St. Lucia, Guyana, St. Vincent, Jamaica, Barbados, and Grenada. So one from Barbados. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That's a real spread, isn't it? No homogeneity there. Can I just interrupt this broadcast? Uh, it's a brilliant news of a wicket in Benoni. Get in! Yeah, they need wickets, Guernsey. Qatar, 112 for one now, going along at fives, uh, chasing 232 to win. So, yeah, Dave Hooper's just picked up the wicket of uh, Kalanda Khan for 56. So it opens up an end, doesn't it? Come on, Guernsey. Come on. Get a wicket. Come on, the lads. Get it. <laughs> Daddy, get it. We should probably move this along because we've got a couple of other things yeah. to talk about as well. But just very briefly before we do this, one thing... One other point to make about this is I do feel, and we could talk about this at great length, so maybe we'll come back to it, but I do feel like it's uh, that this game was one in the eye for the four-day test idea. This is an idea that's been circulated a lot. You know, that people say that oh, one way to 
you know, improved test cricket would be to make them to, to go down to four day tests. Mainly, the idea here is that you could squeeze more games into a shorter schedule, which would free up more time for T Twenty cricket, or at least you know try and avoid clashes with T Twenty tournaments. And also, some people think that it would make for better test cricket, and that you know most tests are over inside four days anyway. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if this game had finished in four days, I mean, yeah, I suppose the argument would be. If it was always a four-day test, it would have developed differently, which is true. But even so, it seems like a, a silly thing to do to eliminate this kind of possibility. Yeah, the possibility I, I agree of this with you. kind of game. I agree. Oh well, maybe we can't talk about it <laughs> for a really long time. But that's just something I wanted to say. All right. Well, one test to go then, Tony. It starts on Thursday. It may well have started by the time people are listening to this. What's going to happen? Very hard to predict, really. I suppose. But I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. I mean, well, you still. I think we always say, you're still going to make England heavy favourites. Uh, was it heavy favourites? Decent favourites. But yeah, uh, you know, it, you can't really argue with it, can you? It sets it up very, very nicely. Just hoping for another good game, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Just cricket to be the winner. <laughs> yeah. Come on, cricket. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Get. <laughs> All right, well, let's pop across to Bangladesh, Tone, where Australia are in town for a two-test series. The home side won the first test. The second test is ongoing. What's happening Australia are batting well. I, I can give you a live update. Uh, oh, it's Stumps, actually. Stumps <laughs> on day three. Oh, oh uh, it's Stumps. Australia, 37749 in reply to Bangladesh, 305. Uh, 100 from Dave Warner. It's a second consecutive 100. Uh, so they're taking a, a decent first innings lead, but yeah, with the pitch breaking up, it's still anybody's game, you'd have to say. Um, this is probably not the right time to talk about this, because, again, by the time people are listening to this events will have moved on uh, but yeah you may well have seen that Australia got absolutely slaughtered in the press back home after losing that first test in Dhaka well I don't know what do you think of that to me that seemed pretty silly 
that they got that they came in for so much stick there. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely, because clearly Bangladesh are a ever improving side, and they're bloody difficult to play in their own patch, you know, on, the, on their own turf. So definitely not an unexpected result. Uh, yeah, and f- and props to Bangladesh for notching up another first Test victory. Mm. Uh, you well, know. well, yeah, it's, their, it's Australia's first ever defeat to Bangladesh. Bangladesh's first ever victory over Australia, coincidentally, as well. But but it's also the first time that these two teams have played for ten years or more. And they've only this is only their fifth Test. Mm. Well, that the first Test was only their fifth match, wasn't it? So yeah, not much to go on. Really, not much of a record to go on. And yeah, as you say, they, they are, Bangladesh have improved so much, and and you know, in the last couple of years, really have improved so much. Yeah, I'd suggest to anyone that thinks it's embarrassing, they just haven't been paying attention to cricket over the last few years. Yeah, especially at home. Bangladesh are a pretty decent team. I would say on a par, roughly, with Sri Lanka at home. And Australia lost 3-0 in Sri Lanka last year. So, yeah, they may not have... They've they've not really won any series yet, but that is going to happen, isn't it? It's clearly going to happen soon if it doesn't happen in this series. Um, Yeah, that was, was... It was very... Very silly, that reaction. It is difficult for us to say too, too much about this series. A, because it's still ongoing, and B, because it's not being broadcast anywhere in the UK, which is quite frustrating. I've watched a few brief clips on Twitter and stuff, but not seen a great deal of it. But yeah, David Warner, 200s, a century in Dhaka, and a century in this game as well. After the first test, he described that as his best test innings, which I think is probably a reasonable thing to say. Before this series, he averaged 30 with the bat in Asia, and if you cast your mind back a year or so to that Sri Lanka tour, he barely looked like a professional cricketer at times, let alone a test match batsman. Yeah, we've not seen much of it, so it's hard for us to say how he's done that. But yeah, by all accounts, he's being much more positive in his footwork, kind of trying to get forward more decisively to the spinners. And that has really paid off in both games. If he does sort himself out, if it's not just this series, if he does kind of sort himself out on the subcontinent, that really does add another layer to him, doesn't it? It adds another notch to his belt and you know getting quite close to being the complete batsman then isn't he because he's always been brilliant uh, at home and, and on kind of bouncier tracks but had a real weakness against spin on the subcontinent if he does sort it out I mean he's got 20 test hundreds now he's he's a proper player really yeah. becoming one of the best batsmen of the era isn't he uh, and yeah at time not at times often electric as well uh, and you know one of the most destructive batsmen of the era. Yeah, edging towards 50, uh, an average of 50, a pretty brilliant batsman. As yeah, We knew that, but as you say, this is taking things onto another level. And, you know, at the moment, in these first sort of one and a half tests, uh, you know, he's head and shoulders above everyone else for Australia, and he's out, out shining Smith uh, and the rest of them. Which is amazing. And I, I've said before on this show that he might already be the best ever batsman in the third innings of a test like when Australia take a first innings lead he might be the best ever at just kind of ramming home that advantage going out and smacking a really rapid half century or century but he's not always been able to do it in the first innings of a test he's not always been able to do it in the fourth innings of a test well these 200s have been in the fourth innings and then the first innings and they've been on the subcontinent against a quality test match attack in those conditions so yeah remarkable stuff and and yeah, scary uh, for England ahead of the Ashes as well. A couple of other notable performances. Nathan Lyon took nine wickets in the first test, including a six-wicket haul. And he followed that up with a seven-wicket haul 
in the second test. He must surely be one of the most underrated cricketers in the world. Again, this is something we, we talk about from time to time on this show, but he's now got 263 test wickets, which is more than Graham Swan. And he's gone above Jason Gillespie to go seventh on the list of leading wicket takers for Australia. So, yeah, he doesn't get a lot of press, Nathan Lyon, but just continues to take wickets. And the other guy I wanted to mention, Shakib Al-Hassan, was a man of the match in Dhaka with another remarkable display. He is officially the number one all-rounder in the world. In all formats. In all formats. And you'd have to say unofficially as well. He is definitely the number one all-rounder in the world. And uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a farce that he's not played Australia in a test up till now. Uh, and yeah, they, they they felt the full force of him in that game in Dhaka. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's he's incredible, isn't he? Uh, you know, we'll have enjoyed playing Australia for the first time, and we'll want to play them some more as well. <laughs> I imagine so. Uh, on the basis of the yeah the first the first test. No, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's a shame that we couldn't watch the the first test. Followed followed the live scores particularly on the last morning for us, uh, you know, the last day for them. Uh, because, yeah, it was, it was a really exciting conclusion to that game. And it, it always, at the moment, you know, cricket is exciting in Bangladesh, isn't it? Yeah. The England series was really enthralling. Absolutely. That was my favourite series of the last few years, was, was England and Bangladesh. And, the, yeah, and this is shaping up to be just the same, the second test as well. So, good stuff. They just need more cricket. Again, England's... You know, England's uh, schedule for next summer has come out. Pakistan coming over to play two tests at the start of the summer when they were here last year. Bangladesh haven't been over since 2010. There's no sign of them coming anytime soon. And it, yeah, it's a real tragedy because they're actually a very good team that's playing very entertaining cricket. I thought we could just quickly talk about this TV deal for the IPL. You may well have seen this. Star Sports have landed the rights for the next five years. And they've paid 163 billion rupees for the privilege, which is about £2 billion. And that's a five-fold increase on the previous TV deal. It works out, and I've given two different currencies, I'm going to give a third one now. It works out as about $8.92 million per game, uh, which makes it, per game, the third biggest TV deal in sport, behind only the Premier League, the English Premier League, uh, at $13 million per game. And the NFL, which is $23 million, became quite a lot more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so whichever way you look at it, this is a pretty big deal, Tone, in the true sense of the word. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, as you say, the increase is, is remarkable, isn't it, in itself? Interesting as well, some of the, the digital uh, the digital players getting involved. Facebook bid, I think, they $600 bid, yeah. million, uh, which they didn't didn't get the digital rights but that that would have been cool to see and you know that's an interesting move certainly from them but yeah it just shows the power presumably you know like we've seen with Premier League football you know presumably that money is going to filter through to players uh so you know come the next auction it'll be interesting to see what the what the situation is with that but it's only going to ramp yeah it's only going to make the IPL a more desirable place to play cricket well, yeah, even for India players, I mean, it's now, in per-game terms, it's now ahead of international cricket. It's the first time that it's ahead of international cricket. Per game for Team India, uh, the Team India TV deal, is just under $8 million per game. So the IPL is now ahead of international cricket for India. Obviously, it's ahead of in- it was already ahead of international cricket for New Zealand and Sri Lanka, etc. But for all international cricket, it is now ahead. So, yeah, it does just add, add to the pressure on on not just test cricket but international all international cricket i mean i saw 
Tim Wigmore tweet, friend of the show Tim Wigmore tweeted that this might be the moment that cricket shifted from being primarily an international sport to primarily a club sport. I mean, do you think, yeah, do you think that could be true? Yeah, yeah, definitely to a certain extent, obviously. Definitely to an extent. Yeah, no, but, you know, obviously test cricket, whatever happens to that is never going to be a club sport, is it? But it, it, yeah, so it's almost sport, it, it, the, the sport is splitting, which we, we sort of knew was happening, but certainly that this would expedite that. But yeah, I, I, I think it, that might still be sli- a slight exaggeration, but it's certainly heading that way, isn't it? And it could be that we look back on this at the the beginning of that process, and and it could be that yeah, people growing up now who are good at cricket are gonna want to play in that tournament that's worth so much money, aren't they? And and obviously that was already the case, but it's just it's increased fivefold, as I say. So. And um, and grew up wanting to play for the Mumbai Indians rather than India. Yeah, yeah. Which I just I hope it's not. I hope that isn't the way that it ends up. It's looking that way, but I hope not. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I'm not a massive fan of the IPL. Um, so it wouldn't be. Is that, is that you're sort of curmudgeonly stick in the mud? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a I'm a, uh, a curmudgeonly stick in yeah. the mud. You might I, say. Yeah, this definitely feeds into lots of wider conversations, doesn't it? Which we've had and will have forever. Uh, this context idea. Mm. And that, that, you know, I think we're now in a post-context world on this pod. But, you know... I, I, we need some context. We need we? some context, yeah. We're grappling around, <laughs> scrambling in the dark for context. But no, I don't know. It, if you compare cricket to other sports, you know, the way football works and the sort of the the interest in football as a spectator is primarily club but then a deep and elevated interest for many when it comes to the big tournaments international tournaments the world cup the euros and and you know and, and very little interest in the qualifiers the what you know effectively are quite meaningless qualifiers uh and you know maybe that you know that is the way cricket's mm. going you know that because we, you know, we get very excited, don't we, about the World Cup, the World T Twenty, and you know, there, there obviously is, you know, there's a future where those still exist and are huge. But then, the IPL, the 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 new ECB league, you know, overshadow the other international cricket that goes on. I think that's definitely a possible future. Yeah, that international Cause people are always going to want to see international sides. They want to get behind their country. Yeah, I mean, I'll thank you not to interrupt me, but yes, I, I, I think you're right. I think it could well be that, yeah, we have Test Cricket, domestic T20, and then the global tournaments every four years or essentially every two years. Um, and yeah, there's no international T20 or international ODIs in between. I still hope that's not the case. I mean, to be fair, there's not many international T20s yeah. in between sorts as it is. And when they do happen, they're often, you know, it's often second string sides yeah. that play. So yeah, that could well be the future. Dave Hooper's got another wicket for Guernsey. Get in. Got the other opener out, but they're still going well. Qatar, 143 for two. Required rate, 4.6. Current rate, 4.8. We need some wickets, Qatar lads. in the driving seat. But yeah, two or three quick wickets. Two or three more quick wickets. Five or six or seven yeah. quick wickets. And, and things will turn around. Well, shall we wrap this up, Tone? It's unbelievably hot in here. Yeah, it's warming up. <laughs> Every single week I say this. I mean, it probably doesn't help that I've been putting on some of these uh, dressing up outfits. I'll take off this uh, pirate costume and wrap it up. 
much like the media coverage for the announcement of this new royal baby, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been sober and rational and interesting, and it's really something Britain can be proud of. Nonetheless, it is just about time to bring it to an end. Have you enjoyed this one, Tone? It's been good. It's been a good one. Uh, I was going to ask you for an update on World Cricket League 5. Any update in the last 15 seconds? 43 for two. Okay. That's the same as it was 15 seconds ago. Exactly the same. <laughs> uh, in the, the Jersey game, Ghana 77 for four. We have to include Jersey now because I've got an interest in both islands these days. Yeah. You, entirely neutral. Your channel sport. Yeah. Across the channel lines. Exactly. But no, they're, they're, they're a good bunch of lands as well, the Jersey team. So wish them wish them well. That's not what you were saying to me off air. <laughs> It's cool. It, it, it's cool to have the islands, uh, you know, involved in that sort of stuff. It is interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it'd be fun if we had, if we played as the Channel Islands. Yeah. Yeah, because essentially then that team would be twice as good, and could probably be, you know, regular feature. You know, on certainly on the, you know, the T Twenty Global Qualifier that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, but that probably won't ever happen. Like the West Indies, but exactly. then you might have a lot of internecine strife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They might give me a lot to report on. So that would be, uh, yeah, that could be good. <laughs> You'd love that when you let that right up. <laughs> you love a drama, don't you? Yeah. Love an inter- internecine dispute. <laughs> All right, well, that's just about the end of the show here. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to get more involved in it, uh, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook facebook.com slash cricket show we're on twitter at cricket show i'm at adam bayford one two and where are you tony uh or on the internet on the internet uh i'm on twitter with a blue tick now at tony cover yeah but also get yeah head over and you know give me a like on facebook <laughs> as well if you want you should put this at the front of the program as well god which is at well it's not at is it it is at i suppose but facebook.com Slash Tony Kerr ITV if oh. you want if you want that good lord I know it is shameless <laughs> it is utterly shameless I was thinking we ought to get on Instagram as well yeah the World Cricket Show on Instagram is it time that we got on Instagram I think we could certainly do that I did look though that someone's already taken some muppet has already taken Cricket Show on Instagram really? he's got no followers he's following nobody and he's got no posts that's annoying <laughs> but he's taken the bloody handle that is annoying. It's probably a listener who's now going to try and sell it. <laughs> yeah, sell it back to we'll us. get to us for 10 grand or something. Because <sighs> that is what it's worth. Well, we might go on Instagram at some point, so, yeah. so keep your keep eyes peeled. Keep, check it daily. <laughs> just check Instagram. Keep refreshing Instagram until you see us pop up. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show in a financial way, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, when you're doing your regular Amazon shopping, and a lot of people do seem to be doing this, so thank you very much to those people. Go to cricketshow.net, first of all. Click the link through to Amazon from there, uh, and anything you buy, you won't notice any difference in your wallet, uh, but we just get a little bit of a kickback. Uh, And if you want to make a regular contribution to the show, uh, the place you can do that is Patreon, patreon.com slash cricketshow. A big thank you to all our patrons for helping to keep us going helping to buy our dressing up outfits, which just, you know, really keeps us, <laughs> yeah. you know, keeps, keeps us, us interested, doesn't it? Keeps things fresh. Uh, you went for cowboy this week. Yeah. I wonder what Different. it'll be next time. Yeah. Well, this is why we did Instagram, I think. We should have themed it, really. Like, I'd have liked to, maybe next time you could come as Her Madge, Queen Elizabeth II. Something like that. Certainly take things in a different direction. <laughs> That's for sure. 
live stream that one. <laughs> All right, well, stay in school, kids. It's back to school time, isn't it? One of my favourite times of the year now, actually, because, you know, used to hate September, now I love it, because yeah. get back in bloody school. You were actually saying the other day that you quite enjoy now when the weather's not very good in the, over the summer. Yeah, yeah, true. I used to, you know, I used to sort of finish school for the summer and be like, oh, you're brilliant, great summer, down the beach, whatever. Now it's just like, yeah, good, rain. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give the kids nothing to do. It's what you deserve. yeah. yeah. Bitter, basically, I am. A bitter old Proud of it. At Tony Care ITV. (laughs) Alright, thanks for letting me come round, Tone. See you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, take it easy. Bye bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.